Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to come again this morning. I pray you guide my words and thoughts that they will be a blessing to your people this morning. And I pray you direct every facet of our meeting this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, I like to start by reading. From Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I like to read, hopefully, I can see clearly. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13. From verse 5, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Notice the next verse. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And verse 8 reads, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the verse I want you to keep in mind, or the theme, the theme of the message is centered on verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. And uh, prior to that, maybe you should remember this one as well. He says, don't covet because of this reason. Because Jesus has promised, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I won't fear what can man do to me. So the theme or the main theme I want you to remember is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the sub-theme I want you to remember is that you can say or remember his promise where he said, I will never leave you. Never is a strong word. Never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Not was, 
not will be, but is my helper. So I won't fear what can man do to me. Now, if that's all you remember, you have a lot to work with. So that's the main theme of this morning. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I like to develop it a little bit by saying, of going along the lines of saying, Jesus Christ of yesterday is the same Jesus today and is the same Jesus forever. He doesn't change. And I like to think of yesterday as the Jesus Christ that came in history, the one we remember this morning, the one that came and died on the cross. And I like to think of today as today. And I like to think of forever as the Christ of the future. It's the same. It doesn't change. So one might ask, the Christ of yesterday is the one that came to Bethlehem, died on the cross, rose again, and went back to heaven. We know all about that, and we remember that. And that's a wonderful thing that he did. And we can think of the Christ of the future, the one that is coming again to take us home. But what about the Christ of today? Jesus Christ, he says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what about the Christ, of the Jesus Christ of today? So the question I'd like to ask, if you don't mind, is what is the Lord Jesus Christ doing today? What is he doing today? I'd like you to think about that. Remember a while back, you know, I thought about this, that he went back to heaven. He's in heaven. But what is he doing today? What is his ministry today? And so I'd like you to turn with me to the scripture. The essence of this message is to bring in encouragement to your souls. For he himself has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I won't fear. So what is Jesus Christ doing today? That's the message that I like to focus on. And I like to go back to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. I'd like to pause there. God spoke in time past, we know, by the prophets in time past. But in these last days, he's speaking. And he's speaking to us through his son. So in very simple terms, the Lord Jesus is still speaking. 
He's not silent. It might seem that way, but he's still speaking. Is Jesus speaking to you? He can speak to you through his word. He's still speaking. He's the one that brings the message of hope and encouragement. So he's still speaking to us in our circumstances, in our situations. And we need to listen. We can hear him speak by turning to his words, reading it and meditating on it. The word of God is always current. It doesn't expire. It's not old news. It's always current. So the Lord Jesus is still speaking. And I can hear him say, I heard them read this morning, says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Not yesterday, but now. Today, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's a message of hope that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can hear him say, I've loved you with everlasting love. So he's still speaking. And he can speak through the word. When you read your Bible, it's always good to say, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. It's good to read it with the mind that I'm not reading it to share, I'm not reading it to preach, I'm not reading it to talk about, but I'm reading it to hear what the Lord has to say to me. Because he knows your need, he knows your circumstance, and he can minister to you where you are at. He can also use others to speak. He's still speaking. So Jesus Christ is not silent, even though it appears that way. He is still speaking today. So the first thing I want you to remember that the Lord Jesus is speaking. Number two, let's read on. Um, it says, as in these last days spoken by his son, whom he has appointed heirs of all things, through whom also he made the world. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things. Notice that word, uphold. Upholding all things by the word of his power. When he, when he had by himself purged our sins. So I'd like to think, suggest to you that Jesus Christ is still upholding all things. Just this week, I met two wonderful Canadian friends of mine at the chapel. I met one on uh, Wednesday, and after we've spoken, I heard Trump. And then I met another one on Thursday, again at the chapel. And after we've spoken, I heard Trump. I understood that our heart is melting as we watch what is going on in down south. People are wondering, oh, the world is going to come to an end. Remember, the Lord Jesus is upholding all things. To uphold all things means to hold it up and to hold it together. Nothing can happen in the world without the Savior allowing it to happen. He's the one that sustains and holds all things together. When you talk to physicists, they will tell you that uh, 
most of the things in the world is like space, empty space and void, you know, and stuff like that. And then you wonder, what is holding it together? Colossians tells us that the Lord Jesus sustains and holds all things. So he that sustains and holds the universe can uphold your life and can sustain you. He can uphold your family in your circumstance as well and can be a source of strength to you. He can hold your life together. So Jesus is speaking and is upholding all things. That will include you. That will include your friend. It will include your family. It will include your circumstance. It's upholding. Upholding all things, we are told. All means all. Nothing excluded. So we can relax because the one that sustains the universe sustains us. Even when we don't understand what's going on, is upholding all things. So that's the second point. See, the message is going to be very quick this morning because I was told, you keep it short, people will remember. <laughs> Too long, nobody remembers. So Jesus is speaking. Jesus is upholding all things and he's doing something else. Let's read together. Who, uh, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So what else is he doing? He's sitting. He's sitting. The Lord Jesus is sitting on the throne in heaven. And you say, what does that mean? That's what it means. It means he's sitting. He's sitting as king reigning on the throne. He's coming back as king, but he's already king right now as we speak. And he's sitting as king. That means he's the one that rules and reigns. This passage was read this morning, and I'd like to read it again, if you don't mind. Let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 was read this morning. He says, from verse 20, we just jump in talking about Jesus. He says, which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the Lord Jesus is sitting in his throne as in heaven as king. He's reigning as king. We are told that after he finished his work, he went back to heaven and he sat down. 
We know from the Old Testament that there were no chairs in the tabernacle because the priest's work was never done. But when Jesus finished paying the price for our sins and went back to heaven, he was received into the presence of his father and he sat down because his work was finished. Nothing to be done anymore. He's still sitting at God's right hand in his reigning, in his glory. So when you think of the headlines in the news that gives you concern that things are out of control, remember, there is a king on the throne. You shouldn't lose sight because we are very prone to forget that Jesus is still active. He's still around. He hasn't left. He's the king on the throne. We are prone to forget about him and think of every other thing. So he's reigning as king on the throne. We don't have to worry. I don't see him pacing the streets and wondering, you know, biting his teeth, wondering what are we going to do next? Uh, Things are going out of hand. No, he's sitting as king on the throne. You remember the story when there was a storm in this boat and the disciples were pacing up and down trying to get rid of everything and then Jesus was doing what? And then they came to him and then they said, I, I don't want to really scream out loud what they did. They said, get up, we are perishing. And he told them, be still. And he calmed the storm. So when there's a lot of wars or rage in your heart or confusion or worry or anxiety, I want you to remember that there is a king on the throne. Now worry and anxiety is human. I read in Exodus that when the children of Israel left Egypt and they were heading to the promised land, they came to a point where there was sea in front of them and there was the Egyptians' army behind them. And of course, they screamed and shouted, what are we going to do? You can't go forward because there's a sea. You can't go backward because the army is there. And what did the Lord say? What did Moses say to to the children of Israel? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So we need to stand still sometimes and let the Lord act. The Lord Jesus is sitting as king on the throne. And not only that, I read in also in uh, Psalm 46, where it ends by saying, be still and know that I'm God. Things are out of control according to our reasoning, but in God's economy, things are under control. So the Lord Jesus is sitting on the throne. I'd like us to sing so that we can at least take a break from the preacher. Jesus is king. Standing as you are able, let's sing together, Jesus is king.
king and I will extol him, give him the glory and honor his name. He is on high and throne in the That is steadfast and certain, gone through the curtain and touching the throne. We have a priest who is there interceding, pouring his grace. Thank you for good singing. You may be seated. Now I'd like to remind you of what I've said so far. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And I'm also reminded you that he says, let your conduct be without love of money. Because Jesus has promised he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you can say to yourself with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do. And then I said, what is he doing? I said, he's speaking. He speaks through the word. He speaks through ministers. He speaks in your heart. When you are confused, sometimes it leads you to passage of scripture to minister to you, to encourage you. So he's speaking. And I've also noted that he upholds all things. That will include you and me. He's upholding us. Holding us together. We cannot fall apart unless the Lord allows it. He's the one holding us. Holding our families, our homes, holding us in all of life's circumstances. And he's also reigning as king. He's sitting on the throne. So when you think about Jesus, think about the Father. He speaks, he upholds, he reigns. He will uphold me and he will uphold you in your circumstance, in your situation. He knows about it. 
perfectly well. And he can deal with it accordingly. So what else is he doing? Let's go on with Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 10. <clears throat> for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. I'd like to suggest to you that Jesus is bringing many sons to glory. It's the reason why John goes to the street to preach. Because he knows that the Lord Jesus can bring sinners from the pit to glory. So he is saving souls. He's bringing many sons to glory. And that's a wonderful thing. Because he's alive and he's interested in bringing sinners to God, he's doing that right now. Bringing many sons and daughters to glory. First Peter chapter 5, if we can turn there, verse 10. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. If I can get there myself. That would be nice. Let's see. It says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to the eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To whom be the glory and the dominion forever. And ever. We think of God of all grace, from grace to glory. Salvation begins with the grace of God, but it ends with glory. I'm sure there are a lot of people, a lot of things that excite us, they look like glorious things. Think of the billionaires, think of the inventors. Think of the great men that glazed the newspapers and magazines that we read about. You might think, just as a fun project, one day try to see if you can get an encyclopedia to see the things that made news a hundred years ago. The people that were famous, that the great men of a hundred years or so ago, see how many of them you can recognize you probably find out that most of them you can't recognize. Their glory or what it was has all faded and disappeared. They would seem to be in charge. They seem to be the ones running things because man's glory doesn't last. But think about you and me. He says he's bringing many sons to what? To glory. We are in the glorious train. You know, I don't know sometimes if you fly, and then the flight attendant says, now we're about to 
land in Halifax, and we'd like to thank you for boarding our aircraft and wish you have uh, a wonderful landing in Halifax and uh, or whatever else your destination will be. I want you to, whenever you hear that, say, my destination is glory. Because the Lord Jesus is bringing many sons, that will include you, a child of God, to glory. Well, you don't look glorious, you might say. Or looking at me, you say, I don't look glorious. I tell you, the Lord doesn't lie. He tells the truth. Regardless of what you see or what you think, we are heading for glory. And that's what Jesus is doing. Saving souls from the pit and bringing them to glory. That's what he's doing right now. And the cost of that glory was his life. He paid a great cost to ensure that sons and daughters are brought to glory. So what is Jesus doing now? He's speaking. He's upholding. He is reigning or sitting and he's bringing sons to glory. What else is he doing? Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Notice from verse 14. It says, Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's a great high priest. So I'd like to suggest to you, I'd like to put it this way, the Lord Jesus is dispensing grace daily. He's giving grace to his people. Or put differently from what we read, he says we don't have a high priest who does not sympathize with our weakness. So he's sympathizing with your weaknesses. Not your sins, but weaknesses. Sometimes you don't have the strength that you used to have. The Lord is not looking at you from a distance and saying, no good. He's sympathizing with your weakness. You don't, you're not capable of doing certain things that you could do before or that you like to do. Weaknesses, not sins. The Lord sympathizes with your weakness. So we have a great high priest not a high priest, but great high priest. Jesus, the Son of God, who entered into heavens and is at God's right hand seated, sympathizing. And he says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace 
The throne that the Lord Jesus is sitting on is called what? The throne of grace. He said, let's come so that we may obtain what? Mercy. You know what mercy means? Mercy means God is not giving you what you deserve. And then obtain mercy and obtain grace. Grace means it's giving you what you don't deserve. The two things are not equal. Mercy, not giving you what you deserve, but grace is giving you what you don't deserve. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and help in time of need. I'd like to suggest to you that, to you that every time is a time of need. The need might differ. May take different forms for different people. But we are always in need. And we can go to the throne of God to get the need or the help that we need. And notice that we may obtain grace. You know, there's so many kinds of grace that the Lord can give. It was read this morning. For by grace are you saved. Saving grace. It was read also... Apostle Paul, sorry, it wasn't read. Apostle Paul said, talking about his ministry, he said, I labored more than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God. So you need grace even to serve. To do certain things, you need grace, serving grace. And sometimes you need grace in suffering because the burden is hard and the the situation doesn't seem to change and things just seem not to be moving at the pace that you like and you are in a suffering situation, you need grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find grace and help in time of need because we have a high priest that sympathizes with our weakness. So I'd like to suggest that Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. He dispenses grace Every moment, according to the needs. We don't have the ability to minister to everyone's need, but the Lord himself has the ability. And that's why we need to go to him to get the grace and the mercy that we need. If you're looking after a little child, you need a different measure of grace than if you're looking after teenagers. If you're a young person, the grace is different because the temptations you face is different. If you're older, the pains, the aches, the discouragement. You need grace. And he says we can come and receive it from the throne of grace. So Jesus is giving streams of mercy. Like it says, never ceasing calls for songs of loudest praise. Matt, we don't have it in your list, but can we get come thou fount of every blessing? And we can sing that right now. Come thou found. If we can get it, we'll sing it. If we can't, we'll go with he give it more grace.
am the fire of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudness. Teach me, Lord, so Made for blood, but host above. While I seek the countless treasure of my God's unchanging love. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily am constrained to be. Let that like a fetter, mind my wandering heart to be. Unto wonder, Lord, feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, yet thou, Lord, Almost there, almost done. <laughs> what is he doing? He's speaking. The Lord Jesus is speaking. And he will speak to your heart, in your circumstance, in your situation. He will minister to you according to needs. He's speaking. That's why we study the word of God. That's why we read it. So that we may get life. So that we may get the food that it gives. The Lord Jesus is not only speaking, He's upholding all things. All will include you and me. All things will include your circumstance and my circumstance. He's upholding or holding them together. Not only that, he's sitting and reigning as king. So don't worry about the U.S. election. Pray about it. Have good sleep. It will be okay because the Lord is on the throne. So he's reigning. Is also saving lives, bringing many sons to glory. And he's dispensing grace. Grace for every trial, grace for every need that you might be facing. He's giving it according to the needs. But you need to go and ask for the grace. That's why he said, come boldly, come with confidence and ask. What else is he doing? He's preparing a place for us. That's why it's from grace to glory. I go to prepare a place, he said. And when I'm done, I will come again and I will take them to myself. 
The Lord Jesus is preparing a place for us. We've spoken of Abraham. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. So if you are feeling very comfortable on earth and you feel this is your destination, you're probably not saved. Because we are passing through and Jesus is preparing a place for us. And not just preparing a place for us, but he's preparing us for the place that he's preparing for us. And so sometimes our circumstances are instruments that he uses to prepare us for the place. So he's preparing a place for us. It will be an adequate place. It will be a place that is more than sufficient. Heaven, that's where we're heading. He said himself, I go to prepare a place. And John, when describing heaven, ran out of words, and all he could say, the things that are not there, no sea, no light, no darkness, sorry, no darkness, there's light, the sun himself is the light, but there's no sun. And then no pain, no tears. And that's where the Lord is preparing for us. So what is Jesus doing? You ask me, what is he doing right now? I'll put it this way. He's looking after the needs of his people. He hasn't abandoned you. That's why when Hebrews ends, it talks about the great shepherd. That's the way Hebrews ends. The benediction in Hebrews talks about him as the great shepherd. Looking after the needs of his people. So we can be rest assured that we are not lost. That the circumstances will not uh, consume us and that our lives will not be wasted because the Lord has not abandoned us. He hasn't saved us and left us alone. But he has brought us this far and is with us. He said, I will never leave you. He made the promise himself. It wasn't us that said, will you stay by me? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is our help. We are wrapping up and we are singing boldly, I approach the throne of grace. So, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Boldly I approach. So we sing that and then we'll pray. It's amazing. I finish almost at 12. It doesn't usually happen. Standing as you are able, let's sing. No one beats him. He's for us. And so we can live with confidence in spite of the circumstances. Help us to remember that Jesus is on the throne and that he holds all things together, including us, and that he has enough grace to meet all of our needs. We pray for those that don't know Jesus as their Savior, that they too might become sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.